0: Good morning, my friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I'm so glad that you are here today. Woo, praise God. We're going to jump into God's Word and have a marvelous time. Let's just open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that every day is not a day of drudgery, but every day is a gift from you, and we thank you for this day. And we thank you for another opportunity to study your word together. We thank you for its life-transforming power that's working in our lives right now. Now, Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Illuminate the scriptures to us today. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say amen. Praise the Lord. Now, before we jump into today's teaching, look what I've got sitting on my desk Mm -mm. Right here. Praise the Lord. That's it. Praise God. That's our new encoder (laughs) getting plugged in. Maybe tomorrow. The team's going to go to work on it tomorrow, but we've already been uh, onboarded onto the Teradec core cloud system. Amen. That was uh, quite an experience. I tell you what, back in the old days, you just plugged a few things in and uh, off you went, but now it's so... um, Digital and can get so complex. Even the old encoders were just you know you could you could figure them out, but some of the stuff today <laughs> they almost drive you to tech support because it can get it can get over your head really quick. Praise God, even if you're a tech or computer savvy person. And let me say also thank you for everybody that sewed into the tech package. You know we've got the new encoder and we've got the uh, computers we're implementing, the new computers. And, uh, you know, with uh, everything uh, new downloaded on them, Microsoft Office and Word and all of that stuff, it is just a real joy to see not only the new stuff going in, the old stuff being retired and taken out, and indeed, it to, to be put to pasture out with the dinosaurs. Praise God. So thank you, everybody that sold into the tech package, and it's been a great blessing to the ministry. Woo! Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, You know, it's interesting, I uh, have been getting some amazing emails and just people reaching out to me that did the 21-day fast, and what usually happens after a 21-day fast, of course, is that, you know, God can speak to you during the fast, even if it's a three-day fast, God can talk to you, but oftentimes on a longer fast, you complete your time of consecration, and then God begins to talk. Usually, not always, but usually after like two weeks after the fast is over, kind of when you've reawakened your body and your body starts to acclimate again to eating, I tell you what, it's very, very interesting. And I've been getting quite a few comments because it's right around this time period. We're about two weeks out from when the fast was completed, maybe three weeks. And people are going like, wow, this is quite interesting. It's almost like things begin to unlock concerning what direction to go in, uh, answers that you need it. just to, They just get downloaded into your spirit, and questions begin to get settled, and it's like there's like a supernatural filter, like a settling device that gets turned on, and you just know what to do, and it is quite, quite amazing. Uh, let me touch on that just for a moment. We're going to talk about some fun things today. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 8. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. And this is in the context of the fast that God calls for his people to do. Then it says, your light shall break forth like the morning. You know, that's interesting because you could be in the dark room, maybe tripping over a chair because you can't see it maybe stubbing your toe into a wall because you didn't know it was there. But the moment you turn the light on, you can navigate so easy. And so that's really what fasting does. The, the byproduct of prayer and fasting is that your light shall break forth like the morning. So there is the the dispelling of darkness. And in some ways, darkness in the Bible is not presented as darkness always being bad or evil. We even see in the scriptures, uh, right off the top of my head, I believe it's Psalm 92, it talks about how God is surrounded by the uh, like a dark cloud. That can be like that thick oil, the glory. Uh, but there are some times where darkness can represent not so much evil or wrong, although it can often have that connotation. But sometimes it just means that you don't know what to do. So it's like there's darkness, but it can be dispelled by light. Light being a byproduct of prayer and fasting. And now suddenly your light's breaking forth. You know what to do. Answers are coming with no strain. It's almost like they fall into your lap, into your spiritual lap. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. I totally believe that. And I believe that, of course, we don't do fasting for a natural perspective. We do it solely for a spiritual perspective, to draw close to God. And along with fasting and prayer, that is a platform for spiritual empowerment. So we engage God on that platform through prayer and fasting. But here, there is a blessing where your body does get touched. And it certainly is good from a medical perspective to uh, have a fresh oil change, cleanse the system. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord be your uh, shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. So there is a nearness, uh, a, a, a greater awareness of God's presence that comes to the person that completes that fast praise the lord thank you jesus thank you lord god now if you have followed my ministry for a while and i know some of you have followed me for years you will know that we practice we don't just theorize or talk about prayer and fasting but we actually practice the spiritual disciplines of fasting along with the they were the they were the three big ones that jesus taught about prayer giving and fasting They're like the three legs of a stool that you would sit on. I actually have a tripod uh, in front of me. You can't see it. I've got three tripods, but one tripod has a monitor. All the others, they all have three legs, but if one of those legs is suddenly gone, the tripod will fall over. But as it is, they've got three legs. They're spread out. It's a unshakable base that will never collapse. So, When you engage God with prayer, with giving, and with fasting, you are practicing the spiritual disciplines that Jesus expects us all to do. He said, when you pray, not if you pray, but when, and when you fast, not if you fast. So if you miss one of those, and usually for a lot of Christians, that would be the discipline of fasting, there's going to be something out of balance with your spiritual walk, just like there is on a tripod. You take one of those three, that's what tri means, it means three, take one of those legs away, it will not have the stability. So here in this ministry, this is something that we do engage in. Now, I want to show you something relative to that in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Why don't you turn over to verse 10? I'm so glad you're here today. I'm going to take a drink of some good hot uh, tea here. Vanilla flavored. Woo. Is that ever good? Mm-mm. Praise God. Vanilla and some kind of South African root, but it's really good. Now, verse 10, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, perseverance. And Paul begins to list out areas in which his spiritual son, his spiritual protege, Timothy has followed him. Now let's look at this for a moment, but, you have carefully followed. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. And Paul says of Timothy, You have carefully followed me in these areas. The phrase carefully followed means, in the Greek language, it means that you are walking in the steps of that person. You are so close to that person, you can put your feet in the same steps that they were walking right in front of you. Now, you have carefully followed my, but let me stop just for a moment and talk about following somebody because everybody to a degree is following somebody. And the apostle Paul said over in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he said, follow me just as I also follow Christ. Now that word follow can also mean imitate. Some translations say imitate, but he's saying follow me or imitate me just as I follow or imitate Christ. And you do need people in your life that you listen to, that you could actually observe not just what they say, but also the fruit or the product of their life and say, you know what? They're going in a direction that I want to go. So here's a statement I want to make to you today. It's a little bit shocking, but I do believe that you can see the truth in it. That, uh, And here's the statement. To a certain degree, I can predict your life's trajectory based upon who you're following. And if you're following CNN News, uh, your trajectory is going like this okay? Why? You're going to be infused with fear. You're going to be worried about all kinds of things along, as, uh, along the line of getting a narrative that they have crafted carefully and created, and they're leaving out many things. But, you know, we know these things. But if, if you're listening to certain voices and those voices are strong, let's say that you're following a giant. If you're following a giant how can you ever end up as a dwarf? Does that make any sense? Well, I did just what they did, and and you're 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 a product of them, but yet you're turning out something. No, no. Lions produce lions. Chickens produce chickens. Elephants produce elephants. Humans produce humans. And so, if you're following those that are giants in their field, then you're going to end up going higher and higher. So in many ways, I can predict your life your life's trajectory based on who you follow. Paul said, you have carefully followed my doctrine. And so Timothy was listening. He would be the note taker. He is carefully walking in the footsteps, and that word also means to understand and grasp. He can grasp Paul's doctrine, and doctrine basically means teaching. And let me give you an example. Like in my ministry, the Lord has called me to teach on primarily two things, the deeper walk and the subject area of faith, because the Bible says in various places, the just shall live by faith. Therefore, we should know something about it. Since that's how we're going to live, we probably should study that area. So I teach on faith, and I also teach on the deeper walk with the Lord. And that's why I also teach fasting, because Jesus did. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said that he was in fastings often. And one time he even referenced that in a sense where that's an indicator of his true apostolic status, that he was in fastings often. And I do find that true in those that are really walking in the fullness of a five-fold ministry office, especially apostle and prophet. There's something more strongly demanded in those ministry offices than the others. An apostle will have many great challenges, so fasting will help him to have that sensitivity when combined with prayer. And then when you think about a prophet's ministry, while the prophet does preach and teach the word, A prophet's ministry in many ways revolves around hearing from God. And if you can't hear, how could you ever really have a well-developed prophet's ministry? And that's why also many prophets, uh, in order to keep that gift and that anointing strong, must have a walk of prayer and fasting. And so, you know, it was years back, um, it's been over 20 years now, when I had a visitation from Jesus. Many of you have seen that testimony. And I, I, you know, Sid Roth took that story and he sent it around the world on his It's Supernatural show. But I was sitting in the front driver's seat of the car and I had a visitation where two angels came and sat in the back seat of the car. And I mean, it was so. Uh, I, it, you know it's a vision, so it's in the spirit, but it was the the sensory realm of it was so strong that when they came and sat in the back of the seat of the car, I could even experience the sensation of the car going down a little bit because of their weight, like the the car going down because two people just sat back there and uh and so you know, long story short, I turned around and looked to see these two angels, and they were sitting there with these beautiful robes on that were almost like like a like a maroon red that was darker it was like a velvet like deep red crimson is probably the best word crimson type color it was where the folds of the robe were at it almost looked dark almost looked black but it was just a real rich deep red color and they both had black hair so they're kind of like you know this whole visionary experience was like breaking the uh, the prototypical vision. I saw an angel. He had blonde hair and a white robe. Well, uh, not these angels. They had, both of them had jet black hair, very beautiful hair. Uh, they had, you know, rich, thick robes on that looked like a dark red. And the Lord told me, he said, these two angels are for that. They're assigned to you for your times of prayer and fasting. Now, when I came out of that vision, uh, I was so excited that number one, I saw the Lord because He revealed Himself to me in the car. Because when I was looking back at the angels, I thought, "This is pretty wild." And then when I turned forward, there He was in the front right passenger seat, and it literally, it literally took my breath away. Where I leaned against the side of the car, and uh, you know, on the inside, up against the window, and I looked at Him. I could, and he allowed me to look at him. I could see his hair color. I could see his the side profile. I could see the beard. I could see his feet and the sandals on the floorboard of the car. I mean, it was off the charts, <laughs> up close. <laughs> now, I've not seen him physically because I'm in a vision. So I'm seeing him spiritually. Yes, he was there. I, had, I was granted by God's grace an encounter to see Jesus. And You know, when I came out of the vision, I was real excited that I saw the Lord and I saw two angels. But it wasn't really until later when what he said began to enter into my understanding. Oh, I've been given two angels to help me with what? Times of feasting and playing? No. Times of fasting with prayer. And so when I have times of prayer and fasting, those angels help me. So it is true that I do have from God a grace in this area, which is why Paul told the church in Corinth, those that were his ministry partners, those that that supported him, he said, you are partakers of my what? Of my strength? uh, Of my great physical prowess? <laughs> no, <laughs> all of the church history, the uh, as, as you look back through church history, most of the writings all agree that Paul was probably five foot three inches tall, and also probably ball headed, but he was a real theologian, educated by Gamaliel, one of the greatest minds of the time, and you know I've I've heard from scholars that it's probably true that Paul could speak seventy different dialects. He really was a genius. He was God's man to to operate in that role uh, of going throughout all of these Gentile nations and still being able to communicate with them and get the gospel over to them. It really is amazing. But there's a grace on my life in the area of prayer and fasting, which is why, please listen, which is why if you follow my teaching, Paul said, to Timothy, you have carefully followed my teaching. If you follow me in this area, that grace will touch your life. If you will follow me in the area of prayer and fasting, because God has put a grace on my life in that area, don't, don't be shocked at what ends up happening to you. I mean, so, again, some of the testimonies that have been coming in lately, it's, it's literally supernatural, miraculous grace that came on people. Um, there's a very dear brother. He's an online church member, and he is on full dialysis, and he did a 21-day liquid fast. And the doctor said, wow, your, your blood levels and all of these things, are they have never been this healthy in a long, long time. And he's believing God for a healing. But we also see in Isaiah 58 that after a, a God fast, your healing shall spring forth speedily praise the lord so some of the testimonies were just like even almost like medically impossible of some of the things that God was doing with people and through people uh, by his grace and of course if you if you have a Certain situation that's a medical situation, you could probably, you probably should get your doctor's advice. I would say that you certainly should. But in some cases, uh, some of these people are, uh, some of these online members are very deep in the spirit. They're like, I'm going to go with the spirit. So I'm not going to try to explain it to somebody who's not going to understand it. And they pop out on the other end having done it. You know, uh, there's a online church member, uh, you know, supports our ministry, very connected to our ministry. Uh, he's a truck driver, drives all over the nation. And uh, he never told me if he was really doing the corporate fast that we had in January. And I didn't really hear, from, I, I mean, I was. he would still like shoot a text into me or something like that, but I wasn't really sure if he was doing the fast. And uh, well, lo and behold, just, uh, uh, two days ago, he said, uh, Pastor Stephen, I'm on day number 38. I said, day 38 of what? He said, the fast. <laughs> I said, you? And you're driving all day long? You know, and he only gets an eight-hour break. And all the other, it's just drive, drive, drive. He's a like a coast-to-coast type driver, long-haul driver. But yeah, even with a heavy workload, and we've had other people with phenomenal, phenomenal, Physically heavy workloads do the fast, and there's only one explanation for it, God's grace, God's grace. And yes, the brother on the day 38 did finish. He crossed the finish line on day 40, And uh, but I, I see areas where, uh, as Paul told Timothy, as you followed me, well, see what happens, if you were to follow the apostle Paul, that same grace and anointing that's on him is going to start to affect you're, it's going to start getting on you. Woo, praise the Lord. So you have to be very, very careful, first of all, who you follow. But the truth is we're all following somebody. Mm-mm. So let's choose wisely in this area. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my teaching. And really when it comes to doctrine or like, a, like an emphasis on theology, to me, it. It all just comes down to one thing, and nothing else to me even really matters. All I want to know about your theology or your doctrine is this. Is it producing victory in your life? In other words, in your secret life when nobody's looking, I'm not talking even about ministers maybe out preaching before thousands or whatever. I don't really care about any of that. All that's cool. All of that's good. For me, that's not what I'm looking at. I want the nitty-gritty. Is what you're preaching or teaching, is it actually working in your life? Or you can say, I have victory, even not only in my public life, but even in the secret compartments of my life. Yeah, I I don't have... In other words, are you teaching something, but yet you can't live it because it's an incomplete gospel? But Paul, I mean, if you're following the teachings of the Apostle Paul, Oh, I can tell you, and you're applying those. I can tell you exactly where you're going. You're going straight to the top. (laughs) Why it works, work for him, and is the undiluted gospel. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, there was a minister going around uh, some years back, late 90s. He was going all over the preach, uh, going all over the place in our nation, doing these big, big prayer seminars, big prayer conventions, and he was the he was the, the main teacher, and he's teaching all about prayer. And one day, a minister who I know went up to him and said, "Hey, um, how many hours or how much uh, you know how much do you actually pray every day?" And he said, "Oh." he said, I actually don't do any praying. My wife does all the praying. I just teach on it. And so the minister said Hey, you're not actually qualified to teach on this. You should shut down your entire prayer seminar and just shut the whole thing down. Cause you're, you have no qualifications to teach on it. Cause you don't, you've admitted you, you yourself have no prayer life. Mm-mm. So what if you were following a person like that? who doesn't even practice it, <laughs> you are going to run into deficiencies because there's just things he doesn't know. He can't get it over to you. Can't even explain it really what it is. Praise the Lord. So I want to know what doctrine and theology is it producing victory, mainly in this area, victory over temptation, or are you hung up with all kinds of private, weird, bad habits that you can't conquer, but you know Christianese so well, you can speak religious talk and you can fool everybody and you can even like verbatim explain like basics or whatever, but you still you can't kick the nicotine habit, or you can't you can't kick this little dirty habit, or you can't you can't get victory in maybe some area of, of whatever bulimia, or on and on it goes. There's a thousand different things out there that a person can get hung up on, uh, whether it's it just on and on it goes. I, I'm not even going to try to name them. There's just too many, but that's really what I want to know because the gospel is uh, sometimes misunderstood by people. They think that the role of the Holy Spirit is to empower you to do something. Yes, Pastor Stephen, we shall be witnesses. We shall do—well, hold on. It doesn't say that you shall do something. It says you shall be something. Yes, we shall be witnesses. Therefore, we are empowered to do. And I just sometimes want to say, no, no, that's not what was being conveyed there. Of course, I'm talking about, you know, the book of Acts chapter one, but you shall be not, not do something. You shall be something. You shall be witnesses. Yes, we shall be witnesses. Go out and testify everybody. No, no, no. The word witness in Greek is the word martyr. You shall be a martyr. You shall be martyrs. In other words, your life put under and the life of God in you rising up where you're living his life, your life, you, you know. Is, has been, as far as you're concerned, crucified, you've laid it down and he's in you, you're in him and you're having a good time. And yes, out of being, being in Christ and developing into maturity out of being a, a believer, you are you will certainly do some things. You will certainly, in a sense, witness, uh, share your testimony or whatever it is. But we're primarily called to be witnesses, not to do witnessing. That. So, did you ever stop to think that before the disciples received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they were already operating in signs, wonders, and miracles, even coming back to Jesus saying, even the demons are subject to us. And he sent them out, and they were healing, and all kinds of healing miracles. (laughs) Oh, Pastor Stephen, they got all of that when they got filled with the Spirit. They they were empowered to, uh, no, they were already empowered. So what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit primarily for? To be, not to do. You will do things. No question about that. But that's what I want to know about your theology or what it is you believe. Is it actually producing victory? Because that that real gospel will give you victory. It allows you to be victorious. Not to go out and do victorious things. No, it allows you to be victorious. <laughs> Uh, uh some of you are like, oh, Pastor Steve, I've never just uh, slow down, maybe re-watch this again. But let it get into you that that Paul could say that. He, he said, you have carefully followed my doctrine. And Timothy's like, yep, and it's working too. It's producing. Woo, praise God. <laughs> How many could be honest, though, and say, you know, I followed maybe this Uh, The emphasis that this denomination has put forward, or maybe I was raised in this denomination. They put this emphasis forward. Like I grew up in a denomination that the whole emphasis was on water baptism. Can you believe that? So your, your main theology and your main doctrine is water baptism. Don't let the ear stick out. If that's above the water, when you were baptized, you are not born again, brother. (laughs) If your toe did not go underneath that water, you're not going to make it to heaven. I mean, I literally heard teaching like that. And so you, you, you're, you're airtight with your theology, water baptism must be all the way under. And technically, according to scripture, it should be okay. But we're saved by, by, uh, by God's, you know, grace. We're saved by grace through faith. Uh, and if we don't quite get it all right, we're going to, you know, God understands because it's a big book, but uh, if your little pinky toe was sticking out, didn't quite go all the way under the water, uh, it's not like the angels are waving red flags saying that didn't count. Praise God. But can you imagine being raised with, with doctrine, and you're following that, water baptism, go all the way under, and then you're hit with things in life, which we all get hit with, and you're like, how do I handle this? And your thought, your theology has nothing in it. There's no armament in it to deal with what's coming against you. So all I want to know, does your doctrine produce victory in your life? Not just in your public life, because everybody can smile and act like, you know, the picture perfect nuclear family. We've got it all together. But back at home, man, you're all kinds of weird stuff's going on. Mm-mm-mm-mm but you have carefully followed. Who are you following? Well, I, I would take it that the fact that you're here means there's something about what I'm teaching, what I'm ministering that is spiritually feeding you and nourishing you. I give God all the glory for that. Praise the Lord. But of course, I would only say, follow me as I follow Christ. If you ever hear something goofy start coming out of my mouth or something goofy coming out from me, you'd have to reevaluate that, and I would certainly expect you to do that, which is why we as leaders or as teachers in the body of Christ will certainly incur a much more stricter judgment. Don't think I don't know that. (laughs) Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. That would be his, his teaching, his theology. He said, you have carefully followed my manner of life, my way of living. Now, this is very, very interesting. Praise the Lord. Let's talk about this for a moment. Followed his manner of life. Mm-mm. That word manner of life can also refer to personal discipline the way that Paul disciplined himself and didn't let his body go wild, didn't let passions or urges just run out of control. But he said, you've also, Timothy, he said, you've also followed my manner of life. Let me put a picture of a man up on the screen right now. This man is Bernardo L'Apollo. The picture that you're looking at him right there as he's standing in front of his house, was taken when he was 113 years old. Mm -mm. By the way, he never, not one time, he never had a cold or flu in his entire life. He lived to be 114 years old. I really got a laugh out of the time, and I think he was maybe like 107. They They took him to the Yankee Stadium there in New York, And he met people like Derek Jeter, some of the great baseball players for the Yankees. And while he was talking with them, he began to talk about how he knew Babe Ruth before Babe Ruth joined the Yankees. And those guys just almost fell out. Could hardly believe it. I mean, he had quite a life. But this man, he kind of had a, uh, you could say, a mode of operation. And it revolved around two, my, two primary things, moderation and obedience. Please say that with me, moderation and obedience. Glory to God. Let me just read a few things about his uh, life. Let me pull one of those up here. Had it up here earlier. I think he's a very interesting man. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to the Lord. And one thing about his life is that even past the age of 100, because he wrote a book, a really good book, when he was how old? uh, When he was 112, he wrote a book about longevity. You know, there's people that that are in their 40s and they write books on longevity. And maybe it's kind of like technically correct, but they, they don't know. So when he wrote his book at 112, everybody would pretty much have to admit, yeah, he's an expert in the area. Praise God. But with Bernardo, he didn't have any wrinkles on his face. Even up to the age of 114, no wrinkles. Whenever ladies particularly had an opportunity to talk with him, they would always say, what what are you using Are you for your face where you don't have wrinkles? Because as ladies get older, that's something that they're interested in, keeping the wrinkles away. And he would always respond with the question. He would ask them, well, what do you use? And usually, uh, usually, like, the ladies would respond with, you know, kind of like very proud of, like, I'm using this high-end moisturizer that I pay $150 for, one ounce, and I'm putting that on and stuff like that. And he would ask them, well, that moisturizer or that lotion or cream that you're putting on your face uh, it's in a bottle, right? They would say, "Yes, it's in a little bottle." He said, "Would you drink out of that bottle? Would you drink that moisturizer? Would you put it on your face? Would you drink it?" They all would say, "Well, no." He said, "Well, that's what you're doing when you put it on your skin because it's being absorbed into your skin. Your skin is like a big sponge." But what he put on his skin every day was olive oil, and it kept the wrinkles away. But he was a great teacher in these areas of health and longevity. It says he had never been sick a day in his life and he used to go for a walk every morning and ate mostly organic fruits and vegetables. You do know that even like on health insurance policies, if you're a vegetarian, the rates are always lower. And I'm not, I'm not against meat or fish or anything like that because I eat meat and fish. But if you eat a lot, it can uh, begin to clog up your arteries and that's something that you have to watch out for. It said he has a recipe for longevity that he learned from his father, who was a doctor who lived to be 98. So his daddy was a doctor who lived to be 98. Now, uh, Bernardo wrote a book about how to live longer. The book appropriately titled Beyond 100, How to Live Well into Your Second Century, is one of his favorite accomplishments. By the way, I've read that book. Um, According to his website, up until his death, Uh, He felt better than ever. And he said, this is interesting. He said, it's all about obedience and moderation. That's the story. He said, the key to my success has been obedience and moderation. I have been doing everything my daddy told me to do all these years. Obedience is the key. Moderation is the backup. Now, what he meant by moderation is that if you're eating something and it's even good for you, but you're full, stop eating. Uh, same way with exercise or fitness, exercise and work out, but that doesn't mean you've got to go run a marathon every day. So everything in moderation and the obedience, one of the things his father taught him was read the Bible every day and don't drink or eat all this sugar loaded food. And a lot of the sugar loaded food they didn't have back in the 1930s, 1940s and things like that. But as it became more prolific in the standard american diet which is you know uses the acronym sad sad <laughs> the, the standard american diet is sad well the more that you consume those type of things it really can hit you hard but you know what when i read his book i realized that if somebody actually followed what he taught i could easily see how anybody could get to 100 is it hard no but at the same time it's not easy it would require discipline So Paul said to Timothy, you have carefully followed my manner of life. It was a disciplined life. It was yielded to God. There was a lot of self-control in that area because of the responsibilities that he carried. Praise God. And so, you know, who do you follow in the area of health? Well, now, Pastor Stephen, I don't really follow anybody unless I get sick. Then I follow, you know, like you or other good teachers that teach on healing. Well, why not follow some people that have lived a long life? And, you know, like with Bernando, even when he was 114, he was sharp, no dementia, no sign of it, perfect, phenomenal memory, walking every single day, no pain in his body. And he just, you know, eventually just, just died. Uh, it's amazing. You know, there's a man, let me put his uh, picture up on the screen. His name is Lee Ching Yoon. And according to historians, and there are supposed birth records and records validating uh, him, uh, he lived to be 256 years old. Interesting side note, a lot of people don't know this, but he was actually seven feet tall and he loved walking, but uh, they say at Beijing University, he came and lectured there when he was 200 years old. And he was an herbalist by the age of ten. He had already really learned a lot about Chinese herbs. You know, the Chinese are really big into that. And when you do read about his life, you do have to separate what could be folklore uh, and what is genuine. But uh, even all of the old, like grandparents that lived in the lived in the town, said, "Oh yeah, we knew him when we were little kids, and he was an old man at that time." So. He was a celebrity in China, very, very well-known, and it was even said that he was mentored by another Chinese herbalist that was 500, that lived to be 500 years old. Praise God. Oh, you don't have to believe it if you don't want to. It's okay, but I'm just presenting some things for you to consider in the area of who do you follow in your health? Well, the person I followed, Pastor Stephen, had a heart attack at the age of 58, (laughs) You might want to reevaluate some of these things, and really, in some ways, it's good to think out of the box in the area of longevity. Because if you are locked in with the Western mindset, uh, just get ready to check out maybe at eighty, maybe at the most eighty-five, because that's that's the norm. But you know, God has blessed me to travel the world, and I've been to India multiple times, and they think different in this area, and. How many of you have heard of St. Francis of Xavier, the famous Catholic missionary, took the gospel to India, took the gospel to other um, uh, parts, you know, even the China and places like that. Uh, And so while he's very well known and has, you know, universities named after him and stuff like that, he had a nephew that followed him, followed his apostolic ministry, was greatly influenced by him. And the nephew, uh, you know, just took up the mantle and preached all over the world, and preached all over China, preached all over India. And when he got old, he said, well, I guess I'll retire now. I'm getting kind of old. And When he was real old, he he retired. and uh, But he just kept on living, and he kept on living. And so he decided, I'm just going to devote my life to prayer intercession. And he went up into a mountain range known as the Kalish Mountain Range. Uh, it's pretty much in Tibet, but it also runs to China and runs to India. It's, it's like a hundred mile long range. So he just went up there, uh, real high up, just kept on praying, kept on praying, praying for the church, praying for uh, church leaders around the world. And uh, uh, time kept on going on and time kept on going on. And the, uh, you know, the mountains are really high there, like 22,000 feet. Uh, but all the locals that lived at the base of the mountain knew that he was up there. Because sometimes those that would make that rare hike way, way up there, they'd, you know, like run into him or something like that. They'd come down and tell the others, yeah, he's up there still. He's still alive. (laughs) So there was a very famous apostle of India. His name was Sundar Singh, known as the apostle of the bleeding feet, because he would go from India and take the gospel into Tibet, often wear his sandals out, cut his feet on the rocks, He became known as the apostle of the bleeding feet. And he was also known as a, what you would call like a mystic type Christian saint, because he came out of, you know, the Indian culture, which puts tremendous emphasis on spirituality. So that was his background. He came out of that. And he carried the title of Sadhu. Now, there is a man today, Sadhu Sundar Silvaraj, that walks in that mantle. And I know, Brother Sadhu Silvaraj, I've been to his home in India, ministered with him in Israel, ministered with him in India and various places. I even brought him here. We've ministered together in many different places, but back to Sundar Singh, the legendary apostle from the early 1900s, and he talked about the time that he was crossing that high mountain range of the Kalish Mountains, and he met the uh, nephew of Francis Xavier. Now, the locals there at the base of the mountain, they called him the Maharishi, which means great saint. They called him the Maharishi of Kalish. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Sundar Singh said that when he met this old, old man who had a beard like all the way down to the ground, he said at that time, the man was 318 years old. Mmm story goes, he's still alive today. Mm. I, I, I won't get any further into that. Maybe in a small talk somewhere, someplace I could go further, but out on the internet, I get enough criticism as it is. <laughs> but I present these things just to get you out of the box. Oh, Pastor Stephen, nobody can live longer than 120 years. The Bible said so. No, the Bible never said that. It said the number of man's days will be 120 years. That's jubilee years. We know for a fact people have lived to be over 120. The the lady from France that died just a few years back, or a few decades ago, she lived to be 122 years and 105 days. So we know because we had her birth record. You know, France has her legal document birth records. Uh, She knew Picasso. She had another wildlife of meeting all these people over the years. So she was definitely over 120. So what that means is that the number of man's days will be 120 jubilee years. A jubilee is 50 years. What's 120 times 50? 6,000 years. God has put a lease on this planet that man has been given 6,000 years. And once it's up, Things will be very, very different. Uh, We'll go into the millennium. Mm -mm. So we won't quite go to the full max of the 6,000 years. God will save just a couple of years because after the 1,000-year reign of Christ, the devil will be unleashed out of the bottomless pit, and he'll have a short period of time where uh, he's allowed to run wild again, and he'll pull together one final army, and then he'll finally get overthrown for good, and then he's off to the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone and sulfur, a place of of unimaginable horror and pain for all eternity. And he knows that's where he's going. Mm, mm, mm. He and all of his demons and all of the wicked people that choose to go with him. Praise the Lord. So just consider these things in the manner of life, long life, Uh, Health in your body, Uh, not just living to a long life, but you're so feeble and broken and your mind is so, you can't even remember anything, you know, forgetting everything. No, healthy in mind, healthy in body, still serving the Lord at a great age. Mm -mm. Praise God. Can you imagine you get your mortgage paid off and then you live another 80 years? Woo. Praise the Lord. Debt-free. Hmm. Mm, outlive all your critics. (laughs) Woo. Praise the Lord. Mm, mm. All right. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. You have carefully followed my manner of life or the way that Paul disciplined himself. And he said, you have carefully followed my purpose. Now this is interesting. You've carefully followed my purpose. What was his main assignment or purpose? Get the gospel to the Gentiles. Get the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, the way that he did it was uniquely how God planned it for Paul. For me, it's different, okay? So, yes, I have, I have a small responsibility in the sense of, you know, get it to Israel first. Get it to the Jews, in a sense, first, okay? So we are broadcasting every week multiple times out of Bethlehem, Israel, to the Jewish people, we're doing the best we can to hit it hard and to hit it heavy. Plus, we try to go there uh, whenever we can, take tours, etc. So we do our part. But yes, my primarily ass- primary assignment or mission is to get the gospel to this great big planet, which is primarily Gentiles. But even still, to get it into areas where we can saturate regions. Why? The planet's just too big. Pastor Stephen, I've got a worldwide ministry. Hey, that's nice. It's a very, very big planet. And it even with every minister doing all we can the work is still so colossal and monumental that everybody must simply do what God has called them to do. You can't look at other ministers and look at other ministries, or maybe even look at your best friend or your brother. You have to say, God, what do you want me to do? And let me get on task. Let me get on my assignment. If it's it's to get behind a minister and stand with them and push them with their calling, whatever it is, you just you've got to do your thing. Find your niche, find your thing. Paul had his. Everybody is just different. So what you have to do is you have to find your purpose and celebrate the uniqueness of your purpose. Uh, I'm different. I'll admit that. It's almost like I'm kind of like a hybrid. People don't really know where to place me because they can't quite sometimes figure me out, and that's totally fine. I'm not trying to be a clone. <laughs> I, 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 I'm I influenced by who I follow, but those that I follow, there's also what I would call some um, cross-pollinating. Why do you do that, Pastor Stephen? Because I'm smart enough to know that if it works for the bees— that I can do the same thing. I can go over here and get some honey because it's so good. Oh, wait, wait. I can fly over here and cross-pollinate over here and I can take truth over here and I can bring it and I I can... Look, uh, don't don't be surprised to see me paddling down any stream of Christianity. Twelve tribes, but one nation of Israel. And I'm smart enough to go places where the honey is at and enjoy it. Now, I do know my primarily... Stream. I, look, I'm Pentecostal. I, you know, I love what we would perhaps call Word of Faith, revelatory type teaching. I like that. I, I, I'm not into like a Word of Defeat. That's that's not me. <laughs> I want victory. I want to. I want to overcome because I know God has made provision for that. So while I'm Pentecostal, I've actually preached in all kinds of churches. I mean, just uh, all kinds of Christian churches all over the world in different places. So. You know, God is good. So we, what we want to do is we want to know our purpose. And when you see somebody that knows theirs and they're on it, yeah, that can touch you. That can certainly touch you. So while, while I've had exposure, I'm still like a laser in what I'm doing. I'm not trying to do everything because I can't, but I do know my uniqueness. And I pray that you will know yours and that you will build on that. Praise the Lord, because that's the way God made you to be. Now, Paul told Timothy, "You have carefully followed my faith. Woo! Mm-hmm. My goodness, you have walked in the steps of my faith. Can you imagine walking and you know seeing how Paul does it? Seeing how Paul casts out demons, seeing how Paul lays hands on." on people and ministers to them. Can you imagine watching that firsthand and being able to pick up on that and walk in that anointing? (laughs) Incredible. Praise the Lord. What an apostolic gift. So he said, you have carefully followed my faith. And that is something that's very, very important to understand. You know, Kenneth Hagin influenced, uh, and I, it's true, thousands upon thousands of those that are in full-time ministry today. I, I never met Kenneth Hagin. I shook his hands once, but we never you know, I never had a chance to talk to him, but uh, his impartation in this area of faith has reverberated throughout the earth. And I you know, I know that Dr. Leroy Thompson, he wrote a book called Money Cometh. Fantastic book. If you've never read it, you should. He, of course, followed very closely Brother Hagen because he was a spiritual son of Brother Hagen, But Dr. Leroy Thompson was also influenced by Dr. Frederick Price out in Los Angeles. And, you know, he could look at Dr. Price and he could see excellence. He could see faith and uh, he could see a man of color succeeding and doing well. And that just really boosted his faith, but see, they still both followed Hagen. So Dr. Price followed Hagen because why? Brother Hagen was a prophet. He wasn't just a teacher. If anybody you ever listened to him or followed his ministry, he was a fantastically anointed prophet. So they both followed Hagen. And every year at one of their big conferences, uh, at a certain time as when offerings would be received, Dr. Price would walk up and give a $50,000 check towards the ministry of Ramah so that the Bible college would be blessed and that the work that God had called Brother Hagin to do could continue to move forward. So he's making his contribution, and he would bring that $50,000 check, and so that $50,000 offering, <clears throat> and he would get up in the meeting and go do it. And one time, one of the years, when he got up, when when Dr. Price got up to go give that check, the Lord spoke to Leroy Thompson because Leroy Thompson was following both of these men, especially Hagin. When Dr. Price got up to go get that check, the the Lord spoke to Leroy Thompson, get up, get up and go with Fred. And you know, he did to his credit. Dr. Thompson got up. Now he didn't have $50,000. He didn't have $50,000, but he had something. And he said, well, I'm I'm, going to do it. I'm going to get up and I'm going to follow Fred and he just did the best he could. And you know what? Some time went by, and God put a tremendous financial anointing upon Dr. Leroy Thompson. And some more years went by, some more years went by, and that anointing of prosperity got stronger on Dr. Thompson. And Dr. Thompson said he met a man, another preacher, uh, later in life, who said, I was there and saw you get up and follow Fred Price when he gave that offering. And you said, you know what? The Lord spoke to me also and said, get up and follow Fred. And he said, you got up and followed him because God told you to. He said, God told me to get up and follow Fred. In other words, get up, stand up, also give an offering. Participate in this. He said, I didn't do it because I didn't have money to give big like that. I could have given something, but I didn't do anything. And I sat there. And you know what? he's still broke today. He told Dr. Thompson, he said, still ain't got no money. I'm still broke today. He said, you got up that made all the difference. (laughs) Listen, listen, whose faith are you following? Your brother-in-law who criticizes prosperity. Yeah. The one with the four bald tires that's broke, that's telling you how you should run your finances when he ain't got none or the miser, maybe the miser critic at work who ridicules prosperity Look, I've been through all of that stuff. I I had one of my church members come up to me one day. Pastor Stephen, you know, it's just not right. Some of these preachers have all of this money. He gave his little spiel. then then, Then when he was done, he drove off in his Lexus. Total, total hypocrite like all are that criticize prosperity. And then they go home to their home. A home, yes, sometimes even paid for. Yes, I'm talking about the fake preachers that criticize prosperity and then where they're done criticizing it, then they go back to their office. This is true. They go back to their office, then they put their Rolex back on. They, they don't wear it while they're criticizing. Why? Because they're frauds, phonies, and total hypocrites. If you don't believe it, catch them outside of the pulpit. Watch, look, look at what they're driving. Look at what they're driving while they're putting down prosperity. Go go find out where they're living while they're ripping prosperity. Go find out actually where they're living at, and you'll find a fraud. Mm, mm, mm. Woo, getting hot in here today. Mm, mm. Who do you follow in the area of faith? Who do you follow in the the area of faith for finances? Mm. Wow. Who do you follow in the area of faith for healing? Somebody who doesn't believe in it. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, our denomination doesn't see eye to eye with that. That's why why people sometimes get in the real pickle, don't they? Mm, Because you you said it. Now you're going to have to live it because here it comes. Because the trials and the challenges of life come to everybody. They come to everybody. So you need to be following somebody in the body of Christ. Who can say, follow me as I follow Christ, because we're we're moving forward. Yeah, we're getting hit with the same stuff, we're facing the same things, and we're overcoming as we go. More than an overcomer. I cannot follow any minister with a defeated theology. I just I just can't do it. Why? It's not scriptural. It's not New Testament scriptural. Praise God. But you have carefully followed my long suffering. Now that means patience that is enduring. And we need that. Praise the Lord. Because sometimes it takes people a while to get it. I know it took me a while to get it, but when it clicked, it clicked. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. So long-suffering endurance or long-suffering patience. And then uh, he said, you've also followed my love, perseverance, persecutions, and you'll have them. If you want the hundredfold blessing, you'll have the hundredfold persecutions. Don't worry about it just keep moving forward. You know, when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, two things happened. One, because it so dramatically affected my life, it affected the way I talked. It affected my faith. It affected, you know, God still does miracles. Number one, the denomination that I was raised in didn't like that. We don't talk about those things like that, Stephen. Now, Stephen, you know that we don't believe in miracles here. And so what, what happened, they, they wanted me out and I, I was out and, uh, you know, just, uh, off into the charismatic Pentecostal type walk and, and, and loved it. But they, they basically booted me out. Hey, if you, you know, if you, if you think this is real, you, you don't belong here. Oh, okay. Praise the Lord. Off I went. Guess who else gave me the boot? Still love them. Love them with all my heart, my parents. And they told me. Hey, if you'll drop this tongue stuff and this Holy Spirit stuff, we will, you know, we'll continue to have a relationship. I said, Hey, you know, mom and dad, I love you, but I I can't deny that this is real. I got filled with the Holy Spirit and miracles are for today and God's power is for today. And so what what was it? It was, it was a literal cutting off. Yes. Even when I was low and didn't could have, you know, and it seemed like my world was falling apart. Yes. Do I love them? Absolutely. Uh, but even still, and they love me. My dad's in, in heaven. My mom, she's, uh, she's doing great, moving on through life, doing good. Of course, she's up there in age, but she stays very, very active and her mind is sharp as a tack. But my, my family still doesn't understand me and that's okay. I don't need that. I, I'm not needy, where I, I need somebody to prop me up or something like that. See, God will allow you to go through things that can be real, real tough. You know, I was talking with um, the owner of a travel agency, an Israel, you know, Israeli tourism travel agency, and you know, he was basically saying, yeah, there's no, there's really no tourism going on in Israel right now. This like zero. So, but he said, uh, although at the Sea of Galilee. He said, every single boat was rented out and you've got people that are there on tour out on the boats. And so he asked the director there at the Sea of Galilee that rents all the boats. He said, who in the world is renting all of your boats? Who's coming to Israel right now? He said, oh, he said, the Christians from the persecuted countries he said, we have a whole bunch of them right now here that are here from Indonesia. To them, this is just like normal. <laughs> they're so used to being persecuted, uh, being rejected by their family, being rejected by the government, being uh, losing their houses, losing everything, but still so in love with God, just unbreakable, totally unbreakable spirit of faith and trust in God. That this, this is just like normal. So yeah, they're they're here and they're having a great time. But yes, persecutions, You have followed me in this area. Yes, you will have them, but just keep on with the Lord. Praise God. I've got, you know, I've got family members that don't understand me. Probably never will. My only concern for them is I just want them to be saved and make it to heaven. They can figure all this stuff out later. But as for me, I'm going to fulfill my calling. And yes, I'm going to also embrace my assignment, and a lot of that is to talk about the supernatural, the miraculous realm. And people call me a space cadet or whatever. I could care less. I mean, literally, I could just, I could just laugh. I, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. Amen. I actually, there's a part of it I rejoice in it. <laughs> Jesus said, "Rejoice when you're persecuted." <laughs> That's the last thing the enemy wants you to do. Praise God. Persecutions. He said, you've followed me in afflictions. That means challenging, difficult times. And if there's anybody out there, you're you're listening to me and you sense the call of ministry. Ministry is not easy. And, uh, And you don't really in life get breaks in ministry. You could be a first responder, And anywhere you go, oh, 10% off for you. Oh, free lunch for you. preachers don't get nothing free. I mean, unless it's a miracle of God and you're walking in like God's favor and stuff like that. No, there's, there's like, no, there's like no help extended. If there's anything, there's roadblocks put up. (laughs) I'm I'm not sponsored by Bill Gates. You know, I'm sponsored by God and God touches the hearts of his people to sow and support. So, yeah, we're not we're not like uh, I don't have IBM over here sending me a paycheck or something like that. No, there are uh, afflictions in the sense there's difficulties. I've uh, I've slept in grass huts with dirt floors. I have uh, slept in places where I've woken up with blood all over me from all the mosquito bites. I guess there was a hole in the, you know, mosquito net. One of the places I stayed, they put me in a hotel with the, I thought there were windows, uh, but I didn't realize till the next morning, the windows had no glass in them. And I had the mosquitoes almost ate me up. I've been in some crazy places, but I've also been in five-star hotels as well. I know how to abound in all times, all circumstances. You know, I just want to serve the Lord. And yes, I embrace whatever comes, but I do it in Christ and just keep on going with a good joy, good heart. And I think it's very important that we also say that Paul mentions, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. So every affliction, whether it's at Antioch, Iconium, or Lystra, the persecutions, God delivered Paul out of every single thing. No sad ending stories. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, he was martyred. Uh, yes, he got the martyr's crown. That's the greatest way you could actually leave the planet. If that's in God's destiny for you, or you could live a life as a, uh, a saint whose life is laid down in a sense, crucified. And it is also still possible to get into that martyrdom category. Woo. Don't ask me how I know, but I know that's true. Mm-mm. All right. Who do you follow? it's very very important. If you look, if you're following some kind of a woke pastor who has no prayer life, who's just like playing games, playing almost like politics in the church. Wow. I don't know what to tell you if somebody walks in the church like that with a gun. It's just you know, you've got a the, the African church And the Chinese church are way ahead of the Western church. And I've I've had connections with the Chinese church going back for 20 years, connecting with them, working with them, understanding them, what it's like. Uh, You have to have a different mentality, praise God. you got to be ready for anything all the time. And things in in the world are very challenging. Look at verse 1 of 2 Timothy 3. But know this, That in the last day, perilous times will come. And so we're there. And you know what? These times are here. Perilous. It means grievous. It means hard to deal with. Woo! Praise God. But with Jesus in your life and you following those who follow Christ, you imitating those who imitate Christ, you're going to be just fine. Praise the Lord. But but if you're following a Pillsbury Doughboy, if you're following some kind of a, uh, you know, compromising, of, you know, just fearful person that's just wanting to go along with the status quo and, has, you know, just willing to compromise for anything. Wow. That's where, that's where you could end up in a category of a bad statistic happening. but, but, I know that because you're still here, still still listening, that you have the same spirit of faith that Paul had, that David had, that the heroes of the faith had. It is the same spirit of faith. It's that of an overcomer, of that of more than a conqueror. Praise God. So lift your hands. I want to pray that any leadership in your life would be godly. Praise God that any voice that could be a false voice And it is is following a wrong spirit. I would pray that you would know. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for those that are listening, watching right now, taking this to heart, that they reevaluate who they follow. Hmm. That they only follow those who follow Christ. Father, there are some that are watching today that have got the wrong heroes. Father, there are, some, there are some that are watching today. They're following sport celebrities as their, as their character embankment. And Father, it's, a, it's never meant to be like that. Father, I pray that they reevaluate who they're following. Praise you, Lord. Father, we praise you. We give you glory. Let your Holy Spirit work right now. cleansing purifying, burning like fire. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We give you all of the praise, glory, hallelujah. The spirit of the Lord is really moving, really working right now. God's plan for your life is tailor designed just for you. It is a unique destiny. Embrace it. Praise God. It is very, very important who you follow. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm very happy with the voices that speak into my life. Great men of God. Worldwide ministries. Very encouraging. Always there for me if I ever need them. Always there. Praise God. Glory to the Lord. Glory. Glory. Glory to God. Father, bless your people. I thank you that your spirit is ministering to them. Thank you, O God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're watching today and you don't know Jesus, it's time for you to follow the one true God to get your life right with God. Praise the Lord. It's time to make that decision today. Don't put it off. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Praise God. Praise the Lord. If you don't know Jesus, pray this prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins, and I ask you to forgive me. I surrender my life to you right now. Lord Jesus, save me. Write my name in your book of life. Wash me clean with your precious blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. Step into my life. Right now, and lead me and guide me from this moment forward. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. The angels in heaven are rejoicing concerning your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and your new salvation. Praise the Lord. Oh, the Holy Spirit is moving. Praise God. Let's take Holy Communion together today. Grab some unleavened bread, grab some grape juice, and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. Through this prayer, we set it apart as being holy. Mm. We set it apart as being the body and the blood of Jesus. And Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you that we don't follow atheists. We thank you that we don't follow pagan idol worshipers. We thank you, Father, that we don't follow those who speak political nonsense. We thank you, Father, that we follow after those who follow after Christ. We do thank you, Father, that you give examples. We give you praise. You give gifts unto men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting, the maturing of the saints, until we all come into maturity. Father, we thank you that's what you're after. You're you're after maturity, mature believers, the image of Christ formed in them. Father, we thank you that we'll do good works, lots of them. But with you, it's always been more about being instead of doing. Father, we thank you now for the Lord's body. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive together. Second question. Who's following you? Are you setting an example for them? Oh, no, we're not perfect. None of us are except for Jesus. But we can move into a maturity where we exemplify consistency in our Christian principles, values, and beliefs. Because trust me, people are watching you. People are watching you. Not just talking about your cat, your dog, and your, your kids. People are watching you. Paul talked about being an epistle that people read. Our life is like a book. Others, you know, we can preach, but sometimes it's not so much what we're saying as what we're being. That's what people are seeing, who we really are, not so much even what we say, although the saying is important. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we are following Christ. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we're following everywhere we go. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's blood together. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm -mm. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Well, I do sense the joy of the Lord rising up right now. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Some of you, there were little adjustments that needed to be made. And some of you, you're just you're just like breaking through right now. You're breaking through right now and you sense that joy. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Some of you have been following Netflix too much. <laughs> and it's starting to affect you in a negative way. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Father, bless your people. I thank you for their great faith in you. And I thank you that they're very serious about their walk with you and the fulfillment of the calling, the destiny that you have for them as individuals. I thank you they're going to get it all done by your grace. Thank you, Father. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. My friends, let me put up on the screen right now opportunities of how you can give. So if you would like to mail in a love offering, if you would like to bring something in online as an honor, gift unto the Lord, you can do so at this time. Praise God. Amen. Pastor Stephen, I'm following you financially. Where are we, go- where are we going? We're going to uh, Psalm 66, verse 12, our wealthy place in Christ, <laughs> in Christ mm So that there's overflow. Why? So that we can be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Praise God. And enjoying God's prosperity and goodness. Praise the Lord. Bringing relief and joy into the life of others. Praise God. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord Jesus. You know, my wife and I were determined to get back over to Israel this year somehow, someway. And, uh, you know, a lot of airlines are not even flying there. Delta's not flying there. Uh, El Al still is. We'll find a way to get over. And we're going to probably uh, connect with our connector over there, our former special force uh, commando uh, friend that we have. And we're going to go back to the Galani base. And we're going to see some of the... Um, Wives whose husbands were lost. We're gonna. Uh, we want to take them shopping, get them some new clothes. You know, get the kids some new shoes and things like that. We want to do the personal touch because they're really, really hurting. Praise God. Just pray for that. Amen. It takes overflow to do these types of things, and of course, God's timing. So uh, we plan on doing that. Perhaps you might want to go with us. Okay, so. Uh, keep listening as we'll put that out when that is available. That'd be a small group thing. No tour, Nobody wants to go on tours right now. I understand that. But my wife and I have always been a little bit different, never that we would want to ever jeopardize anything, and we don't take risk. But at the same time, we're not afraid. <laughs> I've never been afraid of dying ever since I gave my life to the Lord. I've almost died multiple times, came real close twice, just right there at the gate. So, uh But at the same time, I'm just, uh, you know, just as committed to fulfilling my full call of what God has called me to do. And I'm never, ever doing anything foolish or risky, but I am determined to get back over to Israel this year. Praise God. Small, small little personal intimate group. We can go and really shower some love on, on the hurting Israeli Jewish people. Praise God. Keep that in prayer and thank you for giving today. Praise God. Thank you for watching. Look forward to seeing you back again next time real soon. Have a great week. Bye-bye.